Hey friends, welcome to the Relationship Pasa Pasa podcast, a bi-weekly podcast hosted by four smart and sassy Jamaican ladies currently living in the U.S. with almost two decades of friendship. Our aim is for you to see a piece of yourself in us and maybe learn a thing or two as we discuss our everyday lives. Thanks for spending time with us. Now, let's jump into our dose of Pasa Pasa. What time is it? Pasa Pasa! Time? Pasa Pasa! Time? Every girl, every girl, every girl, every girl. I owe me a pasta pasta. Stop, girl, why do I drink until I get Drink and rave till I'm on in like my girl. Center, 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 center. Have a top stand. You know who this is. Hey, y'all. Welcome, 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 welcome. Um, we want to thank you guys as always for listening or watching and just sharing your time and space with us. Um, our aim is to share our thoughts and conversations with you. And we truly appreciate you choosing to share your time and space with us. We also pray that you're continuing to stay healthy and that you are now a master COVID navigator. You got your shot or you are just staying safe out there. So Today, we are being joined by a special guest to discuss the fourth trimester. But before I introduce him, and yes, him, let us do the rounds for our listening audience. So this is Misha, as always. Uh, Kerry. Hey, hey. Soph. I'm here. Great. Shahar. Everyone. <laughs> okay, great. So we have touched on um, mental and physical health in the past, but we haven't delved as much into it this year. Um, so 2021, um, a, not even a lot during this um, podcast season. So we did want to at least talk about an aspect of it that we feel may have taken on a new identity during COVID. So one of the things that has not changed due to the lockdown is that people did not stop having babies. As a matter of fact, every week, I'm pretty sure someone popped up pregnant. Now, having two children of my own, I cannot imagine going through the process of like pregnancy, labor, uh, post-delivery in the climate of covid like covid times and i've heard many a stories and trust me i'm not trying to push or go through these pains or whatever by myself with this mask on that isn't that was nope thank you but no um and since we're not doing it we wanted to get some insight into how to make it through this period with our minds still intact or just to guide someone through the period um with their mind still intact so in that vein we would like to welcome our guest, Dr. Hayden Hamill. Um, Hayden coughs so people know, I mean, you're the only guy, I mean, come on, but <laughs> at least, anyway, I think this is the first time we've actually had someone um, on the show that was not from Andrews and is from Campion, because I mean, so many Andrews people, but big up all Campionites. Uh, Doc is also a graduate of the University of the West Indies twice over. Uh, he first got his bachelor's in psychology before he got his medical degree. Um, I think this makes him an expert in this, this topic specifically because it kind of merges his experience in counseling and psychology with his medical experience. I do want to invite, before we jump in, I do want to invite Doc to kind of give us 
a little background of like his experience. You obviously, as I said, went to medical school at, at uh, UWE. Um, give us some insights into what you've been doing since then. All right. So I graduated med school in, well, good evening. Thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> this uh, looks like it's going to be terribly interesting. Oh, oh my. Hi. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. All right. So I graduated medical school in back, way back in 2007. Feels less like the other day, but um, I then did internship. So in Jamaica, it's a one-year internship. We do not go straight into residency. So I did a one-year internship. I did a University Hospital of the West Indies. And what was expected was nothing short of stellar performance. Mm. And uh, that proved to be quite hmm. traumatic. But um, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was a lot of work. It was, it was so much work, so many weird conditions. Having gone through there, then I decided I wanted to get my hands really dirty. I went down to Kingston Public Hospital and Ooh. you just have to be there, trauma of the Caribbean and, and see all sorts of things, see the conditions coming in, not nice and cleaned up by the time they get to UA. This is where everything hits. And so I did there for a while. And then I was in health centers, um, then learning how to manage primary care, family medicine kind of stuff, left there was in charge of a health center. They bounced me about when we had the incursion in Tivoli in 2010. It was at, near my health center. So they sent me in afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm trained for this. And they're like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then um, ran a health center for a couple of years, moved to Indiana, I was at Lafayette University where I was um, tutoring student athletes and then came back home and started at the Victoria Jubilee Hospital, largest uh, maternity hospital in English-speaking Caribbean, and honed my skills there. C-sections, dealing with the, you know, pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, postpartum, and outside of, of the corporeal period, just gyne gynecological um, issues and stuff like that. And now I've launched into private practice. In between, I've farmed, <laughs> done some farming. Farm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Cool. Okay, but so balance. you said balance, yeah. medical, medical and, and, and farming. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so before we delve into grilling, Doc, um, we wanted to give you guys an idea of what the fourth trimester is. So... Um, technically, it's the first three months of a baby's life after birth. Uh, for me, I feel, I wish y'all were here when we were talking about this um, before. But anyway, for me, I feel like the fourth trimester has extended for 10 years. <laughs> I remember one moment just after Trey was born, um, looking down at him and just busting out bawling wondering at what point did someone decide that I was adult enough to take care of a whole human? Like, I don't, I don't even understand. I, I, even now, I don't even understand who decided that it was time for me to adult. It just makes no sense to me. Um, I don't think I was ever deep in like the baby blues, but I do remember the uncertainty, the lack of confidence and the worry that came along with 
the early stages of, of parenting, some of which still stuck around even now. So I guess let's jump in. Doc, just to clarify, what happens with moms in the first few weeks postpartum? Um, a lot of what happens in the, first, in the fourth trimester, the first three months after, is dependent on what happened during the pregnancy and during delivery. So let's look at a very basic case. You had a wonderful pregnancy, a wonderful delivery. And so there's nothing that went wrong. Everything was stellar. You still have, as soon as within the first five days, three to five days, your hormone changes start mm. to kick in because all the hormones that were pretty level during pregnancy start to change. They start reverting to normal levels, or at least trying to get to normal levels. And that all results in some mood swings. And when I say mood swings, I mean more down than up. <laughs> and so, um, and so there's just the, you know, this, it comes with a sense of um, being overwhelmed a lot easier than perhaps outside of pregnancy. And then everything hits you because you've just gone through this magical time and all these changes and then everything's kind of reverting and your body's trying to go back to what it considers normal or right. pre-pregnancy state. And so even for someone who's had everything okay, there's still this cha these changes that go through, the, the whole changes in you, the fall in the, in the emotions and everything that was keeping you riding on this high. Your body's changing, uh, the hormone levels start to fall. Uh, to return to pre-pregnancy states. So your estrogen levels start to fall and that miss, uh, yeah, start to rise actually. And uh, um, you've got a mismatch where you had been having stability of the hormones throughout pregnancy. Now you have a mismatch, which now leads to um, difficulty because you're unsure what's happening inside your body. Then you're bleeding, <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> you're... You're losing all that extra blood that you gained. You have to get rid of it somehow or it's going to cause problems for you. You needed it to, to run the uterus. The uterus is now saying I'm done and shrinking back to, to normal size. And that takes about six weeks. And each time you breastfeed, it contracts. Each time baby cries, you have the potential for it to start to contract. So you're feeling pain while you're doing something that you're told was supposed to be so natural. Right. You're like, what is happening here? <laughs> this doesn't feel right. But everybody's smiling and saying, oh, cute. <laughs> you know? and, and then you, you have to now deal with all of those emotions, put everything together. And like, okay, so love is pain. Wait, when did that happen? And <laughs> this baby's causing me pain. And it's supposed yeah. to feel so wonderful, but it's not feeling so great. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it's just because that we're hardwired for oxygen, you know, when the baby cries, baby's hungry, oxytocin to be released so that you can let down some milk and baby can be fed and all can be well. And you start to feel as if you're, you know, throughout the pregnancy, you were kind of second class, but you thought it would change by the time baby is born. And now you're still second class. Mm -hmm. You exist just because of baby. Yep. And, and worst part is people treat you that way now before it's like, yes. oh, the baby is so cute, all this yes. stuff. And then people are like, you don't even exist. Yeah. The What's baby your name is again? cute. Right. And you become mommy. Yes. You have no further you identity. Your identity. Mommy. Yes. And so emotionally, 
psychologically, you're, you have to deal with this. Now, if you have a great support system, it works out, it works mm -hmm. a little better. If you have somebody who can confide in, if you have somebody who has been through it before, who comes and says, how are you doing? And not, you know, okay, yes, how's the baby doing everything, but how are you doing? Right. You know, are you feeling, you know, hey, you're, you're two weeks now, so you should be feeling this, you know, how is that? You know, this is what I did. I used the witch hazel pads. I used the sits bath. Uh, you know, somebody starts to speak to you as if you matter. If you have that kind of support, then it helps. So all of this is with a normal pregnancy, normal delivery. Can you imagine if you had a traumatic delivery? So. Right? You got an episiotomy. So somebody decided to cut your... God. <laughs> to let out this big-headed baby. <laughs> right? So not only are you returning to pre-pregnancy state with the normal changes, reversion in, in, in um, you know, in your body. But now you've got to heal yep. from an episiotomy or maybe you got stitches because you got torn up. Maybe you got a cervical laceration, <laughs> you know? <sighs> maybe you had some problems during the pregnancy, high blood pressure, you develop diabetes in the pregnancy. So now you've got to monitor all of this and people are saying, oh, well, you know, you have to monitor your pressure and you need to get some rest. Where do I buy that? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, they really need to bottle that and sell that in a, I would buy it. I'm telling you. <laughs> where, are you where are you getting this rest from? It's still 24 hours in a day. Uh, that baby still wants to be fed every two to four hours. Yep. And if baby is being fed after that, it's your fault. If baby is being fed more than that, it's your fault. Right? And you're being told, well, baby will let you know when baby is hungry and baby cries. Yeah. And baby cries because it's hot, because it's cold, because they want some warmth, because they miss the, the sound of your heartbeat that they could hear a lot clearer when they were inside than outside. So they want so much and they can do very little but cry. Right. And you understand that you know, but somehow you're just lost in all of that. And that now becomes a big challenge. You have a good support system. It's less of a challenge. You don't have a good support system because you can always have people around you, but they're not a good support system. Yeah. They spend the whole of the time looking at the baby and the whole of the time telling you, slapping your hand and what time to you? Snap out of it. Why are you looking like this for? What is wrong with you? You don't see have this bundle of joy. Right. Then for some persons, Mr. Man, wants to know when he can go again. <laughs> and you're saying to him, well, it's sore. Um, no, not right now. And he's like, oh, so, you know, when? <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to tell him where to go. <laughs> right? not sure that. <laughs> can only deal with one baby at a time. <laughs> so he's telling you about his needs and your needs don't matter. Right. Um, so baby telling you about the baby crying and telling you about its needs, uh, Mr. Man telling you about his needs, everybody else coming around in your second class, it is in third class, fourth, till you know, nobody remembers what your name is. Uh, if you're in a situation, you have to go back to work. Maybe Mr. Man is not around. Maybe you lost Mr. Man during the pregnancy. Maybe he left. <laughs> you're right. So you've got all these other things that can complicate a pregnancy, complicate a delivery 
it can just be hell. It can be so traumatic. It can be so rough. Yeah. With all yeah. these other conditions. And you just have to figure out where's your support system and who is your support system. And you need strong people there. So how do you know the difference between the big, cause I mean, I feel like everybody goes to that stage where um, you, you feel uncertain. You don't right. know what you're doing. You yeah. sometimes feel down, as you said, because the, emo, the, the, your hormones, you, right. I mean, there's no perfect like post delivery where you're like happy all the time. That's not a thing. It no. does not exist. You don't look at your baby and say, but it's all worth it because I am great now. So how do you differentiate between the baby blues and like real postpartum depression? All right. So it has to do with the severity of the symptoms and the length of time in terms of it's the same principle as applied to just about any psychological illness. It has to do with the severity and the length of time. So you're expected uh, and you don't have to because there's some women who, you know, because they have managed to somehow be super women, uh, um, don't necessarily feel the, 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 you know, the baby blues, they, they don't acknowledge them. So they move past them because they just have to, they're in a situation where they just have to, so they don't necessarily recognize it. Right. And so if you're going through two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, if you're going beyond that, now you start to say, all right, is what's happening here? If you've gone three months, you have to start to think of it as, as, as um, postpartum depression. So usually they start to talk about six weeks, but realistically we think about three months because that first six weeks, there's so much happening. It is really difficult for you to say if this is just the blues, this is just life stress. This is just, it, it's difficult to say. And, you know, there is no time, specific timetable as much as we give definitions, there are no specific timetable by which you should go through, but for the individual, but you have to start to think if I'm not improving, if I'm not feeling any better, if I'm not getting into a rhythm, if I do not feel connected, then you have to, after, you know, six weeks, three months, you have to say to yourself, well, hmm, perhaps this is a little bit more than just the baby blues. Yeah. Then the severity. Suppose you're feeling a lot of aggression. Suppose you're looking at this baby and looking down in the crib and you're having thoughts that are less loving. Mm -hmm. Then you have to say, well, okay, I am frustrated. You have to acknowledge I am frustrated. And if, if you feel like lashing out, you know, if there's a lot of aggression, you feel like lashing out, you just feel like you're bottled up. Then you have to start to say, well, even if, if this happens in the first, the first three weeks, or for a six week, something's not right here. So severity of symptoms and the length of time. And okay. where the severity always trumps the length of time. Because if the severity of the symptoms happens within the first two days, you've got a problem. Well, Doc, I have a question. I feel like there's a lot of prenatal care and there's a lot of like um, timing and scheduling for all the care that the mom goes through. Yes, and it's primarily the health of the baby. It's primarily to monitor the child. But I wonder, is there some schedule of care that insurance companies require for postpartum for the mother? Not the, not the really nothing. That's amazing. Yep. That, that's a you problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? I know they monitor the baby and they have the baby on the chart. And I'm telling you every inch and every 
weight and the percentiles and stuff and that's absolutely necessary but i just yes. wonder is there not a this checkup or in addition yeah. yeah like a in addition to that the they have everybody goes into well not everybody but a lot of people go into the pregnancy as soon as they find out then they start a plan I'm going to eat this, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And they go through the pregnancy and they're like, when I get to the hospital, this is my birthing plan. And they plan out the birth. And then that's kind of where it stops. You have the baby, it may or may go according to plan. And then it's, that's it. Baby born. everybody's like, you now have the baby. You should be happy. The baby have 10 finger, 10 toes. You're, You're not good. Like what? There is no plan after that. You're just on your own. Yeah, pretty much. The, the, the system drops you. They'll follow baby. They'll follow baby for a long time. And they'll be, um, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but they'll be a, a casual cursory kind of look at you. And that's going to be based on any of the issues you may have had during the pregnancy. So if you had any pre-morbid conditions, uh, pre-pregnancy conditions, then, you know, they'll from the medical community, we will try to schedule your next appointment to, to sort those things out, to get you back on track on any medication we may have had to stop. But it is perfunctory, if I can use that word. It really is not, we're, we're taught that we're supposed to look out for, the, for signs of postpartum depression. But how am I gonna pick up this postpartum depression if I, if I kicked you out of the system after six weeks? Yeah, right. And then can I, can I, can I make a little jab at your community just a little bit? Oh, I'm used to it. So I feel like they started. So every time I get my regular physical, this is a regular physical. um, They used to give you a thing to fill out. But then I realized they start asking the questions, but I could tell that the, either the PA or the MA, they're a little bit uncomfortable asking you your, how much you drink and how much you smoke. It's like they don't want to ask those questions. I feel like there's a little bit of discomfort when you go to specialties. Maybe a psychiatrist or something might be more comfortable talking about those things, but this is my primary care. And I can tell they're just glad when I say, oh, not, you know, like not much. I'm like, oh, great. Oh, oh, okay. You know, like she don't need yeah. no help. We don't have to ask her anything. And I'm like, they're kind of dodging those check questions. I wonder if a little bit of it is sometimes they don't want to get get to there you know there's a little bit of discomfort with going there they're very comfortable with the medical aspect of it all well that's true we're 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 not necessarily equipped or trained as much as possible in dealing with social things so uh do you smoke yes okay would you like to stop this is how you can stop i've got a pill for that that's that's as far as we will go oh where here's a checklist you're going to go through you'll tick off i'll ask these questions but really and truly why do you smoke is it coping is it how much do you smoke what do you smoke uh, <laughs> right all of these things are supposed to be asked uh, do you drink how often do you drink do you think it's a problem all right and we're not supposed to approach it with any judgment so you know we're not necessarily comfortable asking. Not all of us are comfortable asking and we're quite happy if you can use a checklist and if you can fill it out yourself, that'd be even great. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll glance at the answers and I'll go, oh, great, I've dodged this bullet. The answers fit the norm. Uh, but yeah, we're not, we're, we're not comfortable necessarily going through those things because those are not 
easy to modify and the issues behind them are very complex. And so, and they take time and, you know, there's an assembly line, you, you know, you have 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And you, so you did touch on um, having a support system and it sounds like we need to, at this point, rely on the support system to identify if the, the need is, is ne- if, the, if, if you need help. Um, right. What do you think, I guess, first question, I, I won't do multiple questions. What are the things that we need outside of you are looking aggressive with your child or you're down all the time? Is there anything else that we should be looking for in our friends? Um, if they are, I guess, in the postpartum period that should shoot up a red flag for us. All right, so um, we already spoke about the aggression. We can look at how they interact with the baby. Um, you have to be, it probably makes sense for you to be highly suspicious. Just be suspicious. Really, <laughs> with sounds, everybody? It sounds bad. Be suspicious. Because if you're suspicious, you'll see things. If you're not suspicious, you'll overlook things. You'll excuse things. Gosh. So you kind of have to be suspicious. And you're not being suspicious saying, oh, my friend is going to uh, abuse her baby. No. You're like, is my friend okay? Right. And I'm looking to show that my friend is okay or not okay. And so you, you kind of have to approach it that way. And you're looking out for your friend, not just the baby. Yes, the baby is important, but I have to look out for my friend. So you have to approach it as how is my friend coping? So you have to ask the questions, just like it's uncomfortable for the medical fraternity to ask. I can just imagine how much more uncomfortable it is for a friend to ask this kind of question when we've all been taught that you're supposed to be well right after having a baby. All is supposed to be well. And if there was an issue, then we can focus on that. You know, how's your pressure doing now? How's, how's the diabetes doing now? Oh, how'd that cut do? Oh, this. And then we have to be prepared to avoid the, cut, the cookie cutter answers or responses. Oh, that's great. Yeah, man, yeah, man. Oh, don't worry, you, that, that'll blow over. You don't oh, want to right. do that, right? Um, how is it? Because some persons are going to try and hide the fact that they are not feeling as connected to the baby. And that can happen. They're not feeling as connected. And, you know, so people feel, how's breastfeeding going? Oh, yes, when I was, when I was going through it, it was this, 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 this. Perhaps now's not the, great, the best time to tell your friend how great you ha- time you had <laughs> um, when they may or may not be doing it. So let's not set out to tell them how wonderful your time was or how wonderful somebody else's time was. Right. Let's just ask. Rather than that, we don't want to go the other way and say, you know, it was terrible. It was just the worst. Uh, but you want to say, you know, how was it? There's, there's so many different reactions. Women have so many different responses to this thing. It's, you know, you can, you can never tell. Um, you know, sometimes you just feel a little disconnected. It's not all the time. Babies, nice. Yeah. Love babies, spongy, wonderful, soft. But then they cry. <laughs> and they cry. How are you how are you handling that? You're getting any sleep? How much sleep did you get last night? Yeah. And look at look at your friend with the baby. Observe. If they're holding the baby very tightly and cuddly and, and it just seems a little contrived, a little too forced, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. You have to say, yeah. Start asking some questions, you know. Hey, what's happening with you? How are you doing? 
hey, this apartment or, you know, your house, the, the heat is on. Are you feeling warm? You look at how they're dressed. Oh, would you like me to, 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 you know, hold the baby, watch the baby a little bit while you go grab a shower? You know, those little things. Yeah. Hey, did you eat? <laughs> because Have that is eaten? a real thing. Yeah. And, and no. Yeah. Did you eat? Good. You know, you have to keep up your strength for the baby. No. Did you eat? Are you hungry? Hey, I noticed I don't see any dishes. You haven't eaten. Come on, let me cook something for you. Right. Oh, you haven't been to the supermarket yet. You need a supermarket trip? Things like that. No. Got you. Under COVID, not so easy. Right. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Not so easy. It's, it becomes even harder. So you're uncomfortable. You, you, there may be details you don't know about the pregnancy or the delivery that's impacting um, how the, the, you know, your friend is coping or how you are coping or whatever. And you're not necessarily, you know, the person doesn't necessarily want to share all of those details. So it's difficult for you to figure out. And so now you have to start to offer to help in whatever little way you can. And then all of a sudden there's COVID and you can't, you have to stay six feet away and, you know, and, and you can't say, oh, I don't want to get the baby sick. <laughs> I don't want to get you sick so you get the baby sick. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you, know, you, you have to, it, it, it's hard. It, it, it is so hard. And we're, we're almost pre-programmed to want to take care of the baby to the point where we're not looking at the mom. And so in the whole COVID scheme of things where you're, you're thinking about how to, how to assist, you can still slip into a, it's about the baby. It's about the baby. It's about the two of them. Yeah, that's important. So if I want to pull you in real quick, um, I think we have, have actually discussed on the podcast before um, how you had a difficult, I don't want to say difficult, but <laughs> difficult. Uh, difficult. Okay. Um, Lizzie was pre-me. And that was a difficult time for you. Um, what, looking back at it, because I'm sure when you're in it, you're like, I'm just doing it. I'm just floating. I'm just literally surviving. But looking back on it, what got you through the, that time? Sure, if I asked the question earlier regarding the insurance, if they provide um, any services. And I was going to comment, but I, I did not. Um, I think it depends on the on what happened, right? Because my insurance provided a lot of services for me after my daughter. Um, because again, my daughter came out of two pounds, 11 ounces. Just put that out there. It's like, that made my, my number now, 211. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I was assigned a, a nurse that literally called me every single day. And if I'm look, thinking back, I don't think at any point did she ask me about the baby. It was just all to talk to me. Really? Yeah. And um, and 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 I needed that because my mom, I had a great support system. They were amazing. But there were things that I could tell her that I wouldn't have told my mother, or I wouldn't have told my husband. Um, my daughter, you know, she was in the NICU, so I wasn't able to bring her home naturally. Um, and, but and that was hard. Yeah. That was, I don't know if there's a word to explain what that did. And I felt like I couldn't tell my husband 
because I knew it was hard on him too. Right. So me going to him to tell him what I was feeling, I know would only make it worse because now he's worrying about me and he's worrying about the baby. So I didn't tell him what was going on with me. And then my mom, who I did say a little to, I didn't say too much because I know my mother and her pressure. And I, I know if I'm stressed, she's going to be stressed. Right. So I didn't want to put that on her. So I put on this facade that all was well, and I laid it out all on my nurse. And I'm not, he, he talked about support system. That nurse to this day, every now and again, we still communicate. She no longer get paid for me, but we still communicate. She was, <clears throat> she was such <clears throat> a, 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 a source of strength because I, as he, he was just explaining all that happens to a female with a natural pregnancy and a natural birth, I'm saying to myself, well, let's throw a premature in there with a baby that you're told that may not see and may not walk and may not talk. Throw all of that in there with the all that happened, all that's happening to your body at the same time. That's enough to drive anybody crazy. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I was two seconds away from it, like two seconds away from crazy. But my nurse really did. Um, I had a nurse with a baby. When the baby came home, I had a nurse that came and checked on her. But I also had a nurse um, for myself. And she was honestly, I can say the number one person that got me through because she had never said to me, how was the baby? She was like, the baby already have the baby's nurse. The baby's will be fine. We're talking about you. And even when awesome. she talked about the baby, she was like, Sophia, when the baby nurse comes, you talk to the baby, the nurse about the baby. I want to talk to you about you. And I'm, I, he's right that she really did help me through it. So yeah. I didn't I even know that was a thing. Yeah, the, I guess it, it depends on your circumstances, the insurance. I don't even know, you know, but I did have a, a, a nurse and, 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 and I know she was for me because she really only talked to me about me. Hmm. Got you. Now, if, well, let's ask the first question. Did you at any point, she was preemie and she was pretty small, blame yourself for it? Like, what did I do to? <laughs> to this day, I still blame myself, even though everybody and the Lord has told me <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I still blame myself. And, and, and I don't know if I told you guys this, but when my doctor found out that there was an issue, they wanted to put me on bed rest. And here's why I blame myself. They want to put me on bed rest, but me being the dedicated mm. teacher that I am, refused <laughs> bed rest. And um, against everybody's wish, I refused it. And I was determined not to because I didn't have days to stay home with the baby. So I went to work. And um, my job was a stressful situation, which is one reason she wanted to take me out of work. But something happened the last day I was able to work, which is why to this day, I'm still, I, I still, every time I look at my daughter and I, I say, it's my fault why you're still so tiny. But I mean, I guess it gets better every day, but in the back of my mind. Right. Do. do you think um you would have found that support outside of if it wasn't provided for you like do you think on your own you would have looked for it because you said you wouldn't have talked to your um your mother or your husband about these things is that something you would just carry with you like I'm just going to deal with that internally 
Or do you think you would have reached out to someone and said, hey, I just really need to get this off my chest. This is how I'm feeling. I would have carried it. Because for me, <laughs> me telling someone close to me, the stress that's bothering me is going to cause them stress. I'm like, everybody have their own issues that they're dealing with. I want to put it on anybody. As you can tell, I didn't talk to any guys about it. I'm like, because I know my friends, I know my family, and I know what everybody's going through for the most part. So for me, me bombarding someone else with my issues, I'm, in my head, this is how I, I, I convince myself, not that it's right, but in my head, I'm putting more stress on them that they don't need, right? I wouldn't have talked to anyone. And like I said, my husband, nah, to this day, he still doesn't know half of what I went through. To this day, he doesn't know that I drove to my nurse's office one day without a, an appointment and walked in the office and told the, the secretary, I need to see her. And the secretary said to, said to me, she's in a meeting. And I sat in the, the, the lobby and just burst out crying with the baby looking at me and the baby started crying. And we're both crying together. And the nurse is like, ma'am, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I just need her. She literally went and got her out of her meeting because I'm in the lobby bawling the baby is bawling and she couldn't get me to well baby couldn't leave but she couldn't get me to leave right she doesn't know that that, that um that that happened I, right. wouldn't have I mean to me it sounds like what needs to happen is there needs to be a mental health expert involved in post-pregnancy um I have never thought of that that was necessary somebody who you know is a specialist in that Hayden is is there anyone is there anything or any route or any procedure um that you think new moms and I guess when I say new moms I mean moms with new babies because you could have two kids and it the third one is just completely different than the first two um but moms can do or go to to get help with that. I mean, Soph could literally walk to the hospital and know who to go to. Who can moms go to outside of their friends if they're not comfortable outside of their parents? What what are the options? Are there any options? Before you answer, Misha, I have to I must add <clears throat> real quickly that the hospital that I had my daughter and I think that's the reason why I had that, they have a really really good packaged system for um families of premature babies gotcha. like when I say a package to this day I can still know who to call for what and they follow mm-hmm. the kid up until the kid is 16 16 18 no six, 16 I think maybe 18 whatever regardless so it's a long time the they follow <laughs> the the child they still to this day still reach out I still get cards from them checking in on my on the on the baby um but I don't think every hospital have that same system. I really don't. So that may be one of the reasons I was so lucky in the system that I had because that hospital was really known for their um, um, NICU or premature um, um, area. Yeah, section, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Aiden, go ahead. Some hospitals, some places are equipped to handle situations like that. And they'll let you know, they'll give you the pamphlet, they'll give you the talk. Um, whatever and give you the information that you need if you're in such a situation not everybody has that kind of um, situation or support and then at that point you don't know who to turn to you don't know who to reach out to and 
you kind of feel like you have to kind of plan it out while you're in the pregnancy to, to look around and say, could this happen? Maybe I need to know. That puts a lot of pressure on you because somehow you have to navigate pregnancy and then figure out your how you're going to figure out your, your own issues. But every situation is going to be a little different. And some women will have to kind of look and say, well, who are my close friends? Who, who can I talk to if I have this issue? Within a family, within a, a, a context of friendship or at the hospital as you're going through the pregnancy and getting your checks and stuff, who do you gravitate towards? Who do you identify as somebody you could speak to? And I think you have to more than likely tackle it from that perspective. Um, if none of that happened, you've just gone through, you didn't think about it, or you figure all would be well, or you didn't even think about anything beyond delivery, and now you find yourself in that situation. The probably best to contact the same hospital, just your delivery team, whoever, somebody from there, because, and keep trying. They, how it goes, you keep knocking on the door, it must be open. The yeah. trouble is persons who are going to keep everything, bottle it in and are not going to keep knocking that door, whether they feel um, fear or shame or just they're so disconnected from, the, uh, from everything um, and not recognizing that they, they do need help. That is where you have the, the problem because if you don't know that you need help, then you're not going to seek it. If yeah. there's nobody to say, hey, um, I think... I think we need to go in and then it's not, I don't think you're having a problem. I think we should talk to somebody. Uh, would you, who, who, who do you know? Um, who can I call for you? Who can, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah, but is that overstepping though? I feel like a lot of these feels like I don't want to, it's just like when um, someone has a baby, I don't tell them what I did or what I suggest. I mean, if they ask me, I'll tell them, but it's the same thing with, if, if, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in, in, in their shoes with regard to like when I first had my child, um, people are like, you shouldn't co-sleep. You, you should not co-sleep. And you're like, but it's so easy and this is great and it's working for me. And then two years later, you're like, I shouldn't have co-sleep. But in it, you're not trying to hear that. You, I mean, you're just this new mother trying to navigate and everybody's, you know, life is, in, is, is different. So I don't, I, I personally know, I don't want to overstep in anyone. So if you're like, listen, do you want help with this? Do you want blah, blah, blah? You know, can I help with that? Can I get you some food? Can I do that? I almost feel like I'm overstepping. Like I'm now encroaching on, you know, you're like, uh, I, am I judging? Do you feel like I'm judging you because now I'm suggesting all these things? Um, I guess I would need to do it subtly. <laughs> I mean, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how as a friend to navigate that because I mean of course I'm not having any more kids so this does not apply to me but <laughs> for all my other friends on this uh podcast who are planning to have more children um maybe I have no idea um or for just anyone else I know it's just a, a little delicate um situation where I'm like how do I say to them hey I am here to help you even though you don't feel like you want to lean on me, I don't know how to get you to lean on me. Like, I don't know how to get you to say that you need these things mm. without it seeming like you're failing as a parent. 
it's I'm serious. It's hard. It's hard because then it's like, I can cook for you. What are you saying? I can't parent and cook. What's was really good. Right. So, I mean, I, it, it's just that it, I don't just don't know where the line is. I don't know how to navigate that. I don't know if anyone else has any issues um, navigating that gray area. And especially we surround ourselves with a lot of Caribbean people and mental health in the Caribbean community does not know, exist. It's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say to somebody, you really need to see a therapist. I'm, I'm sorry, what? No, that's not a thing. So I just don't know how, I, st- I mean, I still don't know how to navigate that. It's not easy. There's no easy answer. You <laughs> have to, you look at the culture you're in, you look at the, I mean, I'm going to assume you kind of know a little bit about your friends and can kind of pick up if they're a little off, if they're a little out of sorts. And if that little out of sorts is lasting a little bit longer than usual. Right. And you kind of know who you can go to and say, hey, what's wrong? <laughs> and who you have to sneak in and say, I found this great pasta place <laughs> and I, I, I just knew you would love to taste this new pasta. So I brought it for you rather than, I know you ain't cooking. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. And I guess we, we do have to be in people's lives to do that. Not just assume that, okay, I need to step out. Um, but be present to be able to know who you're dealing with, etc. Okay, let's segue because I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep into other things. I do want to talk about one last thing: mm-hmm. um, the snapback. <laughs> this the snapback is is a thing. It is real, and as much <laughs> as I don't think it was much of a thing when I had my children ten years ago, it has now become like oh it's been six weeks and my stomach is on point like I did I'm like you can the doctor tells you do not even pick up the baby at this point for the, the in the six weeks so I don't even know how you how do you even lose that belly um how is it do you think it we're, we're transformed into a do you think it's still a normal um thing where we are focusing so much on the physical aspect of post-delivery. I think it's abnormal. Okay. Because you start to set a timetable for people and not everybody's going to achieve that. Um, Some persons are not really worried about that and then you start to impose that value onto them. Um, And so I, I think it goes a little too far when we start to say, yeah, by six weeks, this should happen. By three months, yeah, it's going to take you about nine months to lose that belly. I know people who delivered and when they came to six-week clinic, I'm like, who are you? Oh, doc, you don't remember me? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I'm so and I look at the doc, and I'm like, but you were swollen. You were twice this. Where's your twin? <laughs> there was more of you. I don't understand. There was more of you. <laughs> Some people, some people just drop everything and they, they did nothing. Yeah. And it's unfair to look at somebody else and say, hey, you're supposed to stick to that timetable. Yeah. It's, it's really not fair. I don't think it's fair. I think we're pushing it too much. If somebody wants to do it and that's the aim, by all means, you give them the, the information that they do need and say, okay, well, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. 
I know you can rise to the occasion. So you can knock yourself out without knocking yourself out. Right? Yeah, with hope. Um, but to some people, some people are just, no matter what they do, they're not losing that belly fat. Some people, no matter what they do, those, those, that belly's not getting nice and taut. <laughs> you know, and then you, 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 you're hitting a gym with the baby on your back. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Buying all these creams to try and rub out the stretch marks. I'm like, why? why? Yeah. <laughs> some people wear them like battle scars, but then, you know, once we start to impose a certain order on people now, you, you're going to leave some people in the lurch. You're going to leave some people behind and some people are going to race so far ahead. Yep. Take a little time to get past that, you right. know, adjust. And then you say, well, oh, this belly, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> or, yep, okay, um, some sit-ups, let, let's see how that works. Yeah, or not. <laughs> or not. I, I don't feel like Oh, I'm going to eat wafers and two grains of rice. No. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah, it's, exactly. Don't I put agree. so, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yep. That was a huge battle. Seriously. You pushed the whole child out. Battle. Or got pulled out. The baby got pulled out. So. Whatever it was, it was a huge battle. No man has ever done that. <laughs> right? Seriously. And, yep. and it, it's, it's just, it's to me, I don't understand. I don't yeah. understand. The, I don't understand the, it either. The pressure. That you... I have a question for Doc. I, I'm curious about your thoughts on, uh, right? So we have this historical data about Black women's maternal health. And I'm curious, do you see that changing? Do you see that? And improving, like what? What are your observations about Black women's maternal health? A little different. Um, we're in a majority in Jamaica, right. <laughs> so it's just women's health, yeah, as opposed to Black women's health. Yeah. Um, there are still some vestiges of colonialism. Um, you know, there's still a, a shade mentality. Yeah. And so, you know, if you are off, but our issue mainly in, in, in Jamaica is um, classism. Right. So you're more likely to be heard if you scream in the, in the forest, if you have some money. Right. If you come from a certain socioeconomic uh, background. Yeah. And your so it, it becomes difficult to navigate so so the, the question to answer that is it changing for a particular class the lower class which is going to mainly be black women i have seen improvements in fact most of our our um our systems are geared towards them and mm -hmm. so you still have a mentality that you have to overcome mm -hmm. but there are valiant warriors in the fight out there trying to make sure that no one slips through the crap. Um, teenagers, teen, teen mothers still get a very hard time. They're not dealt with as adults, okay. I'll admit. Um, you're a child having a child. And um, we do have social support systems in place. They follow them and they ask them questions, but it's mainly about, all right, are you ready to How's the baby doing? How are you doing getting back in school? But 
some contraceptive methods. Let me let me get that in on you. Now, from my brief experience in the United States, uh, I had uh, a friend. I can't say a patient because I wasn't licensed to practice there. <laughs> Two persons who had issues, and there was one person who, having had four children, um, had a very soft tummy and also ended up with an umbilical hernia that was pretty large and she needed to have it taken care of. Did the surgery, um, no, did not do the surgery. In fact, asked, um, was on leave and asked a colleague to, to do the surgery. And that colleague did not do such a great job. Gosh. And then promptly went on leave and asked somebody else to attend. And she had a complication from the procedure. Um, and so I had to now help her to navigate the system. And so I had to give her up that would make them now say, oh wait, this person has somebody in their family who knows something or this person knows something. And so all of a sudden they had to now start to step up and do better. And I, I, I honestly believe it was because she, you know, yeah, black. Yeah, that she was not given the quality of care that she ought to have gotten, and it seemed pretty basic. I said, "Why, why are they calling you back in two weeks? No, post procedure, you should be reviewed at this time. Please give them a call and tell them the following." Right, <laughs> and that's how she was. She got sorted out. I said, "Why they chose this antibiotic for your complication? No, it's worthless. The the the." What is used in this state is this. This is um, what you need to get. And if they don't have it, this is an alternative. In fact, this I think the alternative is a lot better. That's what we use back home. This is what you need to get. So um, we had to advise accordingly because, you know, they're, they're, they're not so great. <laughs> I love how you say it with a smile. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because a lot of people won't have this Black type bodies. of attitude, right? They won't have this type of knowledge. Yeah, right. they don't have access to these. I won't say access. The information is there. But when it comes to medical information, you need someone who's familiar with the ins and outs, right? right? Knowing which antibiotic is good for this thing and that thing, right? So sometimes it's access to information, but also you need an expert who is your advocate. right? Yeah. Um, and so it sounds like there's this, right? For us in America, it's, a race issue compiled by class, right? Yeah. Yep. Of course, in Jamaica, it's it's class compiled by economic, economic. Right. 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 It's interesting. So. Well, um, there are so many things we could talk about. I mean, so many aspects of it that we could talk about when it comes to um, all aspects of like maternal health and how to navigate post-pregnancy and even during pregnancy, et cetera. Um, I think this was a great conversation. I think we, there are lots of things that I, I'm now paying attention to, things that I probably would not be paying attention to normally, where I'm just like, listen, just like everybody else, I kind of did it, I kind of made it. So I'm gonna allow other people to do it, but just through a new lens, I will give everyone a chance to give 
I mean, this is our, our moment to like wrap up, give everybody a chance to like do the, say their takeaways or if they have any final things that they want to say or any questions real quick that they want to ask, this is your time. Anyone want to jump in? I'll just quickly say thank you for, um, for sharing such a wealth of information. I think it's been helpful to hear kind of how to check in based on your friends. Um, I definitely have a few, a few friends who've given birth during the pandemic and it's hard. It's hard to check in on them, especially when they have a partner, right? They have a husband. So you're like, all right, they good. They have a whole husband at the house. They have an extended family support. So you think all is well, but I don't know that I'm paying as much attention to them around. That's my friend. So let me just check in on my friend. Right. So I think that's probably the the most significant thing I'm taking away from this conversation today. Thank you for that. I agree. Shar, you want to say anything? Um, I think that's the most relevant piece to me right now in my age and stage in life. Um, and thank you very much for your time and expert opinion. Um, I appreciate it. So you are currently muted, but once you are unmuted, you can tell us. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize. Um, no, I, I must tell him thank you because a lot of the things that I experienced as he was talking about the hormonal change and the uterus contract and all that stuff, um, it's good to know that I wasn't alone. Yeah. See, a lot of these things I thought was just me because my daughter was premature, but I didn't realize it's like across the, the, the board with all mm -hmm. females. Um, so that was information that I'm glad you shared that I didn't know. I will say regarding the check-in on the friends as Sharon Kerry mentioned, I thank you for that. Um, but I do caution um, the checking in should happen with some wisdom because some, I just remember with myself when people did try to ask me, Carl was doing. There were there were times when I didn't take it like like I didn't take it in a good way. I felt like it's because I'm failing. Why I was being asked that right, question, and I kept right. saying, "Do they think? Do I look like I'm failing? Is it because <laughs> I'm, can they see that I'm failing? You know." So for me, it was just like, "Why everybody keep asking me that? Why do I look like I need help? Right? So maybe they genuinely did care and wanted to know how I was doing. So." It's like a thin line, and I love the way he said, you know, if you want to bring them food, just say, listen, I found this amazing restaurant. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I love it because I feel like if, if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't have taken offense to it that if a person say to me, let me cook you dinner, you know? Right, so, right. Yeah, I, I um, there's, there's like, I don't know how to tell you. I honestly can't even tell you how to do it. But right. I, I would just say, like, proceed with caution, be wise with the word choice, it's a thin line. I don't know how to explain the line, but it's there. <laughs> Seriously, yep. <laughs> but I, do I feel like, you know what? No, like you said, know your friend. Right. So don't go to every single friend and start jumping in. You know <laughs> who your people are. Right. Don't be like volunteer. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I say too. I completely yes. agree. I mean, the, the gray line is definitely there and you have to know where it is and how to navigate it. And especially with them not even knowing this person that they are, that you, 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 have a, you become a new person. You don't even, 
mm-hmm. you don't know who you are without a baby. Like I don't even, I can't even remember myself pre-children. That's not a thing. I'm serious. Like I'm a whole different person. My hormones have changed. I've changed. My outlook has changed. Now this is a whole person, a whole new person you're navigating. So the gray line might all shrink. I don't, or get bigger. I don't, I don't even know. It's just, it's so complicated, but you can't just give up on it and say, well, this is too difficult. This is too hard. They'll figure it out. Everybody figures it out. Once you're a mother, you'll get it. I just don't think that should be the outlook. Um, but yes, I I, Doc, any final words? And then we will let you get back to your night. I, I just say, be, be kind to yourselves. We, you have to be kind, be kind to yourselves and be kind to each other. If you start out from a place of love, um, yeah, you'll step on a few toes. You might get some clapbacks, but yeah. So say, look, and just, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Here's some food. I'm going to run away now. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Okay. Well, we appreciate your time. I, I will tell the ladies that you had to shut down shop early so that you could do this. So Aww. we appreciate that you gave uh, us your time and not your patience. Sorry, patience. Um, so if yeah we we i know i'll call i call on you so i always have an advocate in my corner i know that so we appreciate the time and we appreciate you all right guys so we will see you in two weeks again all right guys thank you so much bye Friends, that's all for today's episode of Relationship Pasa Pasa. Thanks so much for joining us today. You could have been anywhere in the virtual world, but you were here with us. We hope you join us again in two weeks for our next dose. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast on wherever you find and listen to podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. So you never miss an episode. Also, tell a friend to tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Instagram at Relationship Pasa Pasa, all one word, if you are on the social media situations. We can't wait to hear from you. Like, seriously, we can't wait to hear what you think about our episode and also connect with us about topics you'd like to hear us discuss. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, walk good. <laughs>